The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. You need to take this round and finish him right here. Put the pressure on him, get him on the ground, and finish him. He's tired, just like we knew he was going to be. Nobody can handle your pressure when you put it on him. This is your fight, Carlo. Go and get it. I mean, who doesn't need more safe salute in their life? Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Please tell me that's on video. I've never been happier. I'm made for a fucking podcast. That's dangerous. I should have made for Adam. Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Dean Thomas. What up? Dean Thomas. That's Sarah. I like when I call you by your first and last name. You don't normally call me Matt Sarah every time. No, I, I don't. I don't really call you anything. I'm just kind of like, man, whatever. A lot of times you call me stupid. Not yeah. all. Like, hey, like, stupid. <laughs> or dummy. You call me dummy a lot of times, and I, I really, I don't appreciate it. Uh, Dean Thomas, thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. Now, Jimmy's, Jimmy, you know, dude, you know what Jimmy's doing. He's out spreading the, the, um, the art form of his stand-up comedy. I don't know what the fuck he's doing, to be honest. Listen, <laughs> what are you drinking? Oh, my God, Dean Thomas. I'm going to talk about it. We have our, um, our first guest. Just jumped in the in the uh, the waiting room, and that's uh, Charles Parnell. He's uh, Solomon Warlock Bates from the new Top Gun Maverick movie. We're gonna talk to him, but I want afterwards remind me. Yeah, this little is an espresso cup. Oh, I also have the Darth Vader one. I met a fan the other day of this show, and normally when somebody tries to slip into the DMs and 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 says he's a fan, this and that, I say thank you, but I keep them kind of at bay because you never know who could be a weirdo. What a nice gentleman. He stopped by my Huntington uh, location, my, my Sarah BJJ Academy in Huntington, Long, uh, Long Island. And he brought an espresso machine and it's fucking so delicious, dude. I took my Nespresso and I fucking threw it on the floor. <laughs> but let me ask you, did it taste better than the espresso that you made? When? On, on our last episode. Oh, that was, first of all, I, I want to know when that's going to air. Listen, we have so much to talk about. Uh, let's get our guest in. And then after we talk to Charles, uh, Charles Parnell, we have the, I love this coach. He's fucking, there's some guys I love to listen to in between rounds. And I, I just love to hear their advice and their motivation. Uh, Safe Saeed is coming on later. Yeah. So I this is it. my type of show, Dean Thomas. Look I know, man. Going. Got movies and inspiration. Uh, we're going to talk. Let's bring in Charles. 
Hey, hey. Hello, sir. Charles, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. The giant killer himself. Oh, my oh, God. The giant killer himself. This is a man that, that watches MMA, obviously. No, thank, you, thank you so much. I don't know. Do you know my friend Dean Thomas? I do. Uh, I hear his commentary. He's like the uh, the Craig Sager of, of MMA. Oh, wow. <laughs> what an honor. But listen, you know who you look like when, it, when you just popped on? You reminded me of Charles Oakley. I was like, man, please don't. Do you hear that before? I was like, no, uh, yeah, me. I've heard that before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He should thank people. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> Wait, now, let me ask you. Did you have a different hairstyle in this, in, in, in Top Gun Maverick? Yeah, playing an admiral, yeah, slightly different. Yeah, a little more, uh, little more scaled down. And then they wanted to uh, color it a little bit because they thought the white would pop on camera too much. So, yeah, I had a military haircut. Mm. Now, I, I'll tell you, I seen the movie with my wife uh, on actually opening day at the Red Rock, the Dean Thomas, when I was in Vegas for that thing. And uh, I couldn't believe it. First of all, this is the first, it was amazing. First of all, uh, as you know, and Thank you, yeah. I'm sure you get some proud. crazy feedback. I mean, it's the, it is the, you know what's amazing? I heard it's the biggest Tom Cruise opening ever. Yes. Biggest opening weekend. That, that shocked me. It shocked me too. Especially in these times, this was the first time that I've been to a movie, and I've been to the movie since the pandemic, but this one, and Dean, I'll tell you, my, the whole, it, and maybe it was because it was the opening day, and first of all, it was totally packed, there wasn't a seat open, and the audience was into it, like something like I remember as like, as a kid almost, they're laughing at the right times, they're cheering at the right times, and not to mention, I don't know if you ever did this, Dean or Charles, I was in, I watched it in 4D, so I thought I was on one of those minion rides. So I'm watching it in the man would poke my eye out with that. I almost poke my fucking eye out with my straw. I'm watching this thing and you got stuff shooting my ear. It's it's pretty wild. It's different yeah, the, than I Dolby Atmos is nice because every time the jets roar by, your seat vibrates, and every time there's there's engine noise, it's like you feel it in the seats. I did go to that experience. That was crazy. It is a different experience. Dean, did you ever try the 4D? I've never, I've never tried the 4D. And I'm embarrassed right now because, like, I wanted to see the movie this weekend, but I want to make sure that I see it, like, when there's when I have no distractions. But, I, but when it first came out, I was with Dana, and Dana had seen it, Dana White, and he said that it was the best movie that he's seen in a long, long time. He was like, yo, you got to see this movie. So, like, I, I'm really dying to see it. Trust me, when, when you get in there, you won't have any distractions. The movie will take care of distractions, at least for two and a half hours. You'll be caught up for that little period of time. Yeah, I'm dying to see it. And you don't have to watch the first one. I knew what the first one's about. I watched bits and pieces. I'm such a movie buff that I'm surprised I'd never seen it, but I'd never seen it. I never watched it. Wow. And I, and I got and I got everything. I understood about Goose's son, and I, you know, I, I knew enough about it. But even if I didn't know, again, I didn't see the first one. And I... Fully got it, and I was I was all in, you know. So that's what I've been telling people in interviews. It sounds like you know a spiel, but it's actually true. Like you can watch this movie as a standalone, and then if you want to, you can watch the first movie like a prequel because that's what they do these days anyway. Did you talk MMA with Miles Teller? Only a little bit. Um, we he he we actually he was talking more uh, hockey, and we talked more hockey and basketball at that time. Because I know he's an MMA fan. We catch I catch up with him every once in a while. And, uh, He's a cool dude. MMA stuff. I love to go to a fight with Miles. Now, you went to a fight. I, I'm reading here that you went to the uh, McGregor versus Diaz too. Too, yeah. Now, who's I wanted? I want you. Yeah, you, you couldn't be on the fence. I want to know who were you rooting for with that fight. I was rooting for Nick Diaz. 
Oh, oh look at that. I can't yeah. lie. I just like those dudes. I've always liked them. The Diaz brothers. There's something about those Diaz brothers, right? Yeah, yeah. They're cut from a different cloth. They're not, they could be at a media day and they could own that press conference and they're not trying to. Like, you know what I mean? They're not trying yeah. to play the cameras. Very unique to their to themselves. And it's uh it's it's like a breath of fresh air, I always feel when they're fighting. That's one thing that uh, I started to like a lot of my friends. It's 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 uh it's it's barbaric, it's this, that, the other. But I noticed the culture of it is like no matter what beef two guys or two girls have with each other, that fight itself usually takes all that away. By the end of the fight, they have total respect for each other, and it's a complete if if they were enemies, then then almost all the time they're not anymore. Cause once you because there's only a few people that do that, you know what I mean? And once you meet in that place, you got respect for each other. I'll tell you, Charles, I don't know how long you've been watching, but me and this gentleman right here, Dean Thomas, we had a 15 minutes of fisticuffs, and now we're like BFFFF. <laughs> I don't even know how that happened. Because All the Fs, right? <laughs> All the yes. Fs, you know, but it's crazy. Yeah, unless you're like Jose Masvidal and Kobe Covington, usually it gets right. washed, you know? Yeah. But uh, how long have you been a fan for? Have you been watching from back in the day, or are you more of a recent fan? So, so I was going to the Y in L.A., working out with these guys. They kept talking about uh, the first fight I kept hearing about was Machida versus. Um, uh, 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 oh, my God, I'm forgetting the Machida's biggest uh, rival at the time. Um, Shogun, Shogun and Machida, Shogun and Machida. So that when that was a big fight, that's when I used to hear my guys start to talk about it. And then I started to tune in just a little bit. And Machida was kind of my first favorite because I used to like his that style and the, the karate stance, the way he would just rush, like he would be calm and then just rush people out of nowhere. Um, and so that was my my way in. And then I, I discovered Anderson Silva, and then I started going back through those fights. And then he became, I became kind of fascinated with them. Have you ever did any training yourself? I have not. But uh, I, my, uh, so my sensibility and the way that I am, I think I would train in jujitsu first yes. if I did. Come on. Now, where are you located? Where do you live? I live in L.A. Right now, I'm in Chicago, my hometown, uh, hanging out for a little while. But I'm based in L.A. You ever visit Long Island, New York? I used to live in New York. I lived in New York from 95 to 08. When did you uh, get started with your craft? When did you get started with the whole acting? thing? In uh, the mid-90s in Chicago, uh, here in Chicago. And I started dabbling a little bit. Um, but I needed to get, once I got serious about trying it, I needed to get away from here because I've girls, any, anything would distract me. So I decided to go to New York where I didn't know anybody and start taking classes, start doing plays, and it just kind of took off from there. So I was a theater actor in New York at first, and then I moved to L.A. What do you think of improv? He's from Chicago. Of course he loves improv. Second season. I'm sorry, Dean Thomas. I was asking our fine guest, Charles. I'm, he has, listen, I'm going to tell you right away. Dean Thomas does a little bit of improv. I kind of break his chops about it. I'm not, I, do you do improv? I do. Actually, I was originally trained in improv. It's an interesting question you ask because there's improv. There's, there's Saturday Night Live improv where it's like the point is to make a joke. And then there's what's called long form improvisation where no matter what you and I, if we get into a scene, anything I say, you say yes. But it's like, what are we doing in this giant septic tank? Well, we're here because, you know, you keep going and going and going, but it's not for jokes. It's to try to develop a story. So um, I love it. It's not for everybody, though. Everybody can't do it. And, that, and Charles, that's what I do. I do long form improv. I got an improv line uh, 
from you from uh is it what's the last UFC number 274 or whatever? That uh the uneventful round between uh Rose oh, <laughs> yeah, you, you. Carlos Parson said, what do you say? Uh there was somebody, Joe, somebody said something about uh, we can't tell who lost that round. You said we all lost that first. Yeah. <laughs> that was a funny line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was See, good improv. That's my improv. Yeah, that's my improv. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I actually was my ADD, I forgot to text you about that. That was great. That was fantastic. Because I think all the commentators were laughing at that. They were yeah. all yeah, that was a good line. That was in, in a in a live moment. That was a really good line. Yeah. That was good. Uh now when you did success come quickly to you like i listen when it when it hits it hits you could be yeah. you could be one of those new kids on the like, like you could be johnny depp getting discovered at 20 or rodney right. field in his 60s you know what i mean but you've been around that you got that i know it's like oh i know him when i see your face yeah yeah i'm that guy in that thing <laughs> like but this greatest opening movies boom biggest opening movie ever um did it come early a success for you when you started acting or was it like this is a grind here. Well, this di- well, it was a grind, but uh, I started making a minimal living pretty early on, meaning I quit all my side job, just forced myself to to live off my acting money. And once you so for me, once I made started making a living as an actor and I didn't have another job, that's success. First of all, after you grind for like 10 years and you get to the point where you can make like what a teacher makes and what, what a regular nine to five person makes, but you're acting. One. So, yeah, that's been me for the last 12 years or so. But like, you know, I had a show called The Last Ship and th- things that people recognize as success started happening about seven or eight years ago. But I felt like I said, I felt successful. I haven't had a, a regular job in 13 years. So for me, I've been driving on the shoulder of the road that whole time. Now, do you get recognized a lot when you're out or I get a lot of. <laughs> yeah. Did you go to school with, you know, did you yeah. date my cousin? Yeah. Well, you know what? And I think I think that's got to be kind of rewarding. Right. Well, to be able to do your craft, but still have a life, you know, because yeah. I know a lot of actors like, you know, like when they're super, super, super like Tom Cruise can't go nowhere. Like he can't really have a life. But for grocery store. Yeah. yeah. But like you said, like for you, like to to not have to work a job, but still to do your craft. That's winning right there. I always found that to be like that's as an actor yeah I, I made it you know like but but time gets you to that because when you first start your fantasies are you know, i want to be a big blockbuster movies and then you start getting into reality of like classes and auditions and getting refused and refused and rejected then you go you know what if i could just make <laughs> yeah <laughs> if i could just yeah. make a living i'll be you know your your uh ambition kind of meets where you are and then you're, you're that's off. like fighting <laughs> honestly it's like fighting i'll tell you one thing that reminded me of like similar like with the careers is that uh there's something to be said when you don't have a net. Like you, when you said you put, you were working, but then you were doing your craft and you were working, but then once you put everything into your acting or, or else you're not going to eat that type of thing, it's a yep. different kind of motivation. I mean, yep. I mean, I mean, I remember what my, I remember when I, when I was teaching and I was making a living just off of private lessons and I was like, Oh man, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm winning just doing this. You know what I mean? And uh, so I know what you're saying. It's, I just, you're winning just not doing that nine to five, doing what you exactly. love. Exactly. Yeah. You're doing what you love and you're making a living at it, you know, in, in the most basic sense. So uh, so for me, that I felt like I won at that point. But then I made this little uh, independent film called Pariah when I was still living in uh, Brooklyn. And it was it was just one of the best experiences. It was a, it's a little movie, um, but 
people that saw it loved it. They still talk to me about it to this day. And for me, that's one of like the gems of my career. It wasn't a big blockbuster or anything, but I'm, I'm, it's one of the proudest things I've ever done. Where can we see that? It's on the uh, HBO roster, but Pariah, P-A-R-I-A-H. If you uh, Google it, you know how the options to watch it show up. Okay. But, uh, it's a pretty good, good little Brooklyn movie. Um, give us a, and, a, uh, a quick, uh, you know, a synopsis. Quick, yeah, synopsis. That's the word I was looking for, Dean Thomas. It's about a, a Brooklyn family. I play the father, Kim Wayans. If you remember her, the, yeah. the Wayans brother's sister from uh, from In Living Color. She plays my wife. This uh, brilliant young actress named Adapero Oduye plays our daughter, who's like 17. She's a lesbian and she's trying to figure out her sexuality. So she's changing in the stall when she goes to school into like bo- more boyish clothes. When she leaves the house looking normal, goes to the stall, changes, and she's trying to figure out her place in that world. Her mother is completely against it. Even though I have problems with it, I'm loyal to my daughter. So that's what I love about the movie. It was a father in that situation that even though he wasn't comfortable, he's still behind his daughter no matter what. And that's it's kind of where the story takes off from. And then it causes all this strife in the house. This is, no, this is an independent movie? You did this? Yeah, independent okay. film. It's, it's written and directed by uh, uh, D. Reese who did uh, Mudbone. Her big movie was Mudbone, which came out a couple of years ago. Uh, got some Oscar buzz and all that. But this, the film I was in was her very first. It's her baby. And it's basically her story. That's why I like it. It was her personal story. Now, oh, well, I'm going to check that out. And now, you now, but after this big movie like this, the, the Top Gun Maverick, I guess that just has to really just, it's, oh, I'm not going to say open doors because the door's already open for you. But I mean, does this just like, like some lights, like some projects, maybe you were wanted to get green lit or you were maybe went for a role. You're waiting to hear back. How does that work now when you come off a movie like this? Like, is it like, yo, your agent, like, I got great news. How does this work? I don't know. I'm just, I watch a lot of movies. How does this work now? It's a slow, it's kind of a slow burn. So this is the, the initial. So everybody's going to go and say, oh, he's in the movie. Oh, he's really in the movie. Oh, and then hopefully they like what I'm doing in the movie. And then they'll look at me a little differently. So that's actually coming over the next few months. I'll see like what the response is to that because you've, we've had to wait two years. So I was hoping all this was going to happen in 2020. Oh, <laughs> the summer yeah. of 2020 is when we're supposed to come out. So we had to like keep it on the back burner, not say anything and just kind of keep rolling along until it got out. So I'm waiting. Now, how did you get this? Now, how did you get the part? I know like getting in a movie like that is a not an easy thing. Did you have to have like, you know, 17 different auditions? Four. four. I have four. But the first one, I do the first one. A couple of days later, I get an email that says Tom Cruise liked your take. That's cold word for you're in the running because he's also part of the decision making process because of who he is now. So once I saw he liked my take, I knew I had a real chance. The other thing I uh, it's hard to get in a movie like this because movies like this, they want to plug names in the mm-hmm. parts. Yeah. They don't want to build a name for somebody. They want a bunch of names so people will come see the movie. Luckily, Tom is so powerful and his name is so big he doesn't need extra people in the movie so he can pick according to what he likes so that's the only that's the main reason i think i made it in this movie i think my ability has been there the whole time but it's a couple of things of like perception that can get you in a movie in tom's case he didn't need that he just wanted to get the best actor he saw thought that was me this is the equivalent dean thomas i guess we can relate it's like i can tell by just looking at charles this is like after we want to fight you should be on cloud nine, Charles. Congratulations yeah. <laughs> on the movie. You seem like a really Thanks. great guy. If you're ever back around New York, um, Long Island, I have a jiu-jitsu school. 
uh, I would love to show you some jujitsu, man. The gentle art. I would love to. I would love to stop by. I will take you up on that. I will take you up on that. A hundred percent, you know. Don't be trying to hurt him. Well, Dean Thomas, I know you're about to hand out your business card. Dean's trying to get into acting. <laughs> He's a guest. Don't embarrass us. No, I'm, I'm not. Stop. You also got a good thing because your name has an interesting spelling to it, right? It's like D-I-N, but it's pronounced Dean, right? Yeah. That's like a good, that's a good visual, like on the credits, you know, because yeah. everybody will be calling you. Yeah, I like that actor Dean. No, no, it's Dean. Then everybody's talking about you. Yeah, you know? now they can remember me. Yep. Yeah, it's good <laughs> stuff. Any any little device to, to get you to I know keep how you in it, people's I know minds. How it works, man. Your parents knew what they were doing. I just thought they couldn't spell. They knew exactly what they were doing. No, they couldn't spell, Matt. They could. They really couldn't. <laughs> hey, Charles, listen, hey, anything you, anything you want to plug, Charles? Anything you do? I don't know if you do any kind of podcast or anything on the side or... Uh, no, no, I'm not. I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm a work. I'm a workaholic actor. I'm working on a show on FX called Kindred right now. Ooh. Uh, they're shooting in Atlanta. It'll be on later in the winter about a young woman who mysteriously starts time traveling. She's in the present. And at one moment she pops back to 1810. It's slavery time. She's in this house with this baby and this woman's running towards her. And just before she grabs her, she pops back into the present. So the, the story becomes her trying to figure out what's happening. And it keeps happening at these odd times. And this all is the first episode, so I'm not really giving anything away. Second time she pops back, she runs into her mother, who was the woman that was running towards her the first time. Her mother tells her that she's been doing, experiencing that, but she got stuck. She's like, so how do you do it? And the girl's like, I don't know. So our journey is going to find out what, what the hell is happening. What is going on lately with, it seems like all of a sudden everything's a, a multiverse, a different universe, a time travel. It seems like there's a lot of that lately. No, I mean, it's cool. I like yeah. that strange. I like it's very cool, but it just seems like it's all a, it, a lot of that's happening now. No, Dean Thomas. Yeah, I know. I mean, you know, it's when things are hot, people industry. don't want to reinvent the wheel. They want to just try to capitalize. <laughs> yes. Hey, listen, as long as it's quality, I'm in. Hey, yeah. Charles, so nice to meet you, man. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate you, brother. Definitely come on again. Remember, Charles Parnell, when somebody's knocking at the door. Uh, uh, Matt, there's, there's a guy at the door named Charles Parnell said you would teach him the gentle art. That'll be me. I will. How can I think like, Where is he? <laughs> you got it, bro. Hey, so nice to have you, man. On. Take care, Charles. Take care, guys. Thank you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. That was great. What a nice guy, Dean Thomas. Yeah, he was. Sometimes I'll be getting nervous because, like, you know, these actors be coming on. I'll be thinking they want to, you know what I'm saying, they be all high class in, in Hollywood. 
But these guys come on, they're great. You act like we're not high class. I'm not. I'm all class. <laughs> you understand? Old. Dean Thomas. So I had this guy, he came by the other day. Before we get safe, Saeed in. Uh, what a nice gentleman that came in the other day. So listen, I told you, I, sometimes I'm a little, you know, I don't, you know, a guy says he's coming down. You can stop there. Listen, you can stop there and that's okay. Sometimes you're a little. What? You had me a little. <laughs> you had me at little? Yeah. Are you trying to say I'm little? You're just little. Yeah. Listen, no, that's not. No, you, listen, this is what I want to tell you. <laughs> listen, this machine, the favor is the machine, my wife's saying. He gave me a, a special machine. And he said, he, and uh, it's called Faber, F, like, like Uriah Faber. And Cafe Toronto is the espresso. I don't know what any of this means. Well, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna get the exact thing for you, Dean Thomas. But I'll tell you, this guy, his name is Guy, and uh, Italian guy, right from Naples. He told me that that listening to the uh, the podcast brought him through like a dark time, and then and he was laughing always with me and Jimmy. He's a family guy, and I don't know. He wanted to come down and meet me, and normally I get a little creeped out, but he was a what a nice gentleman. I and and and. and Look at the little espresso cup. Is that what he gave you? Oh, it's a stuff. And I got a Darth Vader. So I want to say thank you to him. Thank you, guy. Thank you for your guys. You're going to find his uh, espresso machine, espresso machine. And you're going to be like, yo, this is no Nespresso. Nespresso, fuck that shit. This thing, it's so amazing how he did it. The little, it's not pods. It's like little, like, like, uh, what? listen, I don't want to bore you with this. I'm just saying it's delicious espresso. Thank you, guy. What's his name? Guy, who are you texting when I'm talking to you? Could you get your? Could you stay? Could you? Can you not? Can you? Can you? Can you keep your uh, fucking eye on the ball? I'm talking. I'm, to you. I got my eye on the ball. Keep you're playing, fuck, you're playing fucking Angry Birds on your phone or something. I'm trying to talk to you. No, man. I'm... <laughs> so, Dean Thomas, I want to talk a little bit about the fights the other night. Okay. Were you? Wait, you were? You didn't work that one. I did. I oh. didn't work. I didn't work that that one. We might as well talk about it with the great coach, Safe Saeed. All right, because he was there. I don't know if you know. Did you watch the fights? Because he was getting a little. I liked it because he had a little back and forth with uh, one of the, one of his fighters. Let me see. We had two guys on the card. So if he liked it, let me find this. <laughs> who, who he coach? His fight is last night. Where? Where the fuck is it? Bada, ba, ba. I know he fought Alonzo. Was his guy? Yeah, Alonzo. Uh, and also field. Jackson, Damon Jackson. Yeah. So Damon Jackson was fighting some kid who was undefeated. And the little kid was the, not the little kid. The, the kid was, he was a short guy, but he was going, uh, Oh, boring win, boring win. I don't know if it was his corner or him saying it. I know he said it. Uh-huh. Said, dude, safe was like, yeah, you're talking a lot for a guy's first time here and on his back. Like the safe was going out. Oh, it was great. See, I missed that part. I, I didn't watch the whole, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I watched a good portion of it. And I missed that part. I like Damon Jackson though. Listen, I like that Charles Parnell. What a nice guy. Yeah, he was a nice guy. Sometimes I like making new friends. Uh, I thought you had enough friends. <laughs> I could use some enemies. <laughs> I still I, I still got to get on that VR and play that game that you play. I, I played so much. I Listen, there's only so much you can play of it, but I play a lot of it. I make sure I don't get an extra battery, like the thing that extends it, because it, it dies after two hours. That's yeah. That's good. Otherwise, you start to say, all right, what am I doing with my life? I got this headset on yelling at people. 
I know that's why I kind of stopped, man, because I was thinking that same thing. I was kind of like, man, I can't really be doing this in my life, killing zombies and, and playing a boxing game, even though I was getting in shape with the boxing game. Dude, it, it, it listen, oh, oh, first of all, what about that Carolina uh Kavukavich? Kavukavich? That's what I was going to say. Yeah. She did awesome, man. Yeah, she, she did. She's She's been gone for uh, a minute, like the kids say. She's been yeah. gone for a little bit. But, uh, she, you know, she, that was Felice Herrig's last fight. She went I know, out. man. She retired her. But she looked like it was time for her. And she's a great, yeah. I liked her. She's a jiu-jitsu-based girl. Like, she was with Jeff Curran. Yeah. Like, that, I fought a while ago. Mm-hmm. See? Um, tough girl. Good, really good jiu-jitsu. But you could tell in that fight, there was yeah. one girl that had, like, a, a resurgence. Like, she looked motivated. That's Carolina. And Felice looked like she was like, all right, let me get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? Her, her like, in that fight when she's like, Come on, sink that shit in better, I think. And I lied. I think she's yeah. a great girl. But when your heart's not in it, you're not in it. I'm telling you. So, like, when people go, this is my last fight, this is my retirement fight, they're probably about two fights too late. You know what I'm saying? They probably should have retired before that. Safe, what's up, man? My man. What's up, man? How we doing? Look, I feel like I've seen, I feel like I've talked to you recently, even though I haven't, because a lot of times when I, listening to the guys between corner i cringe and then there's other times when i don't cringe and i'm like yes fuck yeah i'm making a come i'm gonna smack somebody and that's when i hear you when i hear guys like james krause you know there's certain guys i like because they're not doing it to be heard they're doing it the you if there was no cameras around there i think it's the same exact speech you can hear your passion the passion Yes. That's what the word I'm looking for is passion. And speaking of being passionate and being in the fucking foxhole, because that's what I feel like it's like. You're in a foxhole with your guys. Yeah. There was some, there was, this is interesting. This is what I like about the fucking apex. So we're not going to hear it otherwise. There was some back <laughs> with you and uh, who was Damon Jackson fighting? Who was he fighting? That kid, the new kid. Dan Ar- Argetta? Yeah, that's his name. So he was an undefeated kid. And I believe he took it on short notice or no? Yeah, he, he took it on short notice. I think he took it he about, a, he about a week. He had about a week. Okay, but he's an undefeated kid. He took it. Hey, listen, yeah. big time cultist answer. 100%. So, so what happened? Was there any – to explain to us what happened. I heard what I heard. But what happened? I believe it, it was only in the third round, but it might have been earlier. No, I mean, look, here, here's the deal, right? You guys hit on it. Let's talk about it. When I coach, I don't give a fuck who's listening. I don't care about the cameras. I don't care. All I care about is winning. And if you notice, we just won five fights in the last three fucking weeks. So that's all that matters, you know, and people like to focus on all the other shit, but let's just focus on the winning. Here, our team goes again, winning more fights than any other team. And that's all I care about. I don't care about anything else. And sometimes in those moments, you know, you just, you just do what you do. And the the thing was the kid kept talking, but he was talking to me. So I would tell Damon, Hey, do this. And he's like, I'm not going to do that. And so we were, he was just kind of being, you know, he's just joking around, being real relaxed. And he kept saying it. And then I said, I said something. He goes, I'm not going to do that. Or you don't know me. And I go, you sure talk a lot for a kid who's been on the bottom the whole damn time. You know, like, and I said, this is your first time here, kid. You know, like, and that's it. You know I mean? It's like, and, and the reality is though, once I heard him focused on me, then I didn't mind it at all because look, Damon had a hard cut and Cub smart, Cub Swanson was in the other corner. Smart fucking guy. He started, he was yelling it. He had a hard cut. He's getting tired. And I said, 
oh, no, he's not Cubby. He ain't tired. So I was talking to Cub, too, because I know Cub. He's a great guy. But, but the thing was, the kid had momentum going into the third round. And, you know, Damon had totally controlled him, had back control the first two rounds. There's no way he could have won unless he really went for it. But I could tell he was thinking about other shit because he was talking to me, which was good for us because all I care about is winning. You know, props to the kid for taking the fight. I knew he was tough. He wrestled in college. I think he's Cubs wrestling, you know, one of wrestling coaches and partners. So we know he's tough, but in the end of the day, it's all about the win. And we got the win and we got two wins on Saturday. So we move on. So tell me about like Damon Jackson. I'm so inspired by his story. Like I've, I've saw him. He went to the UFC the first time. Then he got cut and he had a couple bad losses, but he stayed with it. I yeah. mean, working with him, it's got to be a breath of fresh air for you to work with a guy like that who seems so dedicated to their craft and not just out there for the limelight. Well, I mean, you know, my whole crew is like that. We don't, we don't, I don't like guys that, that are fighting for the wrong reasons because they get found out when they get under the lights. You know, they get found out real quick. And Damon's a guy, he's been with me for, you know, over a decade. He's got now 21 wins. We got 21 wins together, 21 and four. You know, I think he's got 18 or 19 finishes. So, He's a guy that, you know, he's dedicated to his craft and he doesn't say a whole lot, but he gets it done. He finds a way to win and he found a way to win Saturday again. So he's one of those guys that you can count on in the octagon. And the third round, he had a scramble that, you know, the judges have been really kind of all over the place, uh, you know, especially there too. So I was getting on him about getting on top and he finished on top and, uh, you know, ended the fight the right way. So love that kid, really happy for him. Three fight win streak in the UFC after getting cut. Many years ago, I mean, it's a great story. The uh, the opening exchange where he just got him down right away, it looked like uh, that Daniel was, was just just like almost hesitated on the, the punch, and Damon just clinched him right. It was it was so interesting. Like yeah. it's like he's, it's like he he didn't throw the punch and he just just he didn't freeze, but he just I think he did. I think he froze for a split second, and you just totally yeah. clinched him. And I, I don't know if that was a first time jitters or here we are, but. That little hesitation. I mean, you don't want – they call that guy the leech for a fucking reason. I mean, he gets that body triangle on the back. And, you know, credit to that kid. He usually finishes people. And, you know, his, his legs got a little funky on him. And the kid was strong, had a good base, understood his defense really well, you know. And, and uh, but Damon, man, he's just not – you know, that guy's a D1 wrestler or, or a college wrestler. I mean, he wins all his fights by taking people down and smashing them, taking their back, flattening them out, and dominating them. You know, we studied him. So it's hard, you know, when you're a wrestler and you beat people by taking them down and flatten them out and somebody's taking you down over and over again and taking your back, it's frustrating. And I think that was another one of the reasons why, you know, he was just, you know, kind of talking because Damon's a frustrating guy to fight, man. He, I've seen him out grapple, you know, very good black belts. He's just one of those guys. He's wiry, he's long, and he knows how to use it. And there's MMA grappling, and then there's like, you know, I see Marab go with guys straight up wrestling and guys best him. And then I seen him go with the same guy in sparring and he's fucking taking that guy down like butter. It's how you, yep. it's just a, di it's a different, it's almost just a different hundred percent sport all together with the takedowns when you add in the striking and whatnot and the cage, you know, 100%. Uh, Alonzo uh, Menafield. Oh my goodness. Now he's a classy guy. Cause there was something said after that, that he was very upset about and he did not mention it on air or something. What is there? And again, I don't like, listen, it's the fight game. I know we don't like to draw the attention to bullshit, but sometimes, sometimes we like that juicy gossip here on UFC. This, this guy, he just kept, you know, he just kept talking to Alonzo, you know, and Alonzo, 
you know, he's a quiet guy. He can be cerebral. You know, we all know he's explosive and strong and all that stuff, but he's not really a shit talking guy, but you know, they're at the weigh-ins and the guy was telling Alonzo, relax, man, relax, relax. Right. And so Alonzo came on stage. He's like, this fucking guy's talking to me. And I said, the only way this guy's going to beat you is if you give him a chance to get emotional because Alonzo is way better than this guy. We know this guy's got three fucking records. His record changed three times. And, uh, and that's him. That's his fault. I tried to look him up for three months and I couldn't find anything on him at all. And I mean, I do this every single week. So it's not on the UFC. It's not on anybody. You know, everybody, oh, how'd the UFC not find out? Well, I didn't even find out. And I mean, we were studying, we were investigating the guy for three months. So I don't know what happened at the end. Um, we didn't know he had other names. I mean, how the hell am I supposed to know he goes by other names? I didn't know that. So we couldn't really find out what the guy did. Um, we had a game plan. I thought he was, you know, he had gotten popped before for the sauce. He is incredibly smaller than he was. So I figured, you know, he wouldn't be as strong and we could wrestle him and kind of test him there. And it worked out really, really well. But he kept talking to Alonzo during the fight. He just, your, your punches aren't hurting me, this, that, and the other. And, and he was just saying a bunch of shit to him and, you know, and he lost a little bit, but, you know, he didn't hit him after the ref stopped him. There was no extra drama. So it was all good. He, uh, he got the dub and he got out. With all these fighters over it now, I, I, you're like me. I'm, I'm at my school every fucking day. I love my school. But over at Fortis MMA, are you teaching any regular classes or are you just, all right, I'm just, you know, it's such a client, you have such a, a, a crew there that's in the UFC alone. Are you doing any regular classes? You teaching any fucking regular people in soccer moms? Or are you just using- You got the after school program with the five-year-olds? I, I, lo- I love teaching regular people. And, you know, we've got some really incredible people at the gym. And you know this, Matt. Dean, yeah. You've been doing this a long time. It's like, man, I love my gym community. I love my members. I love the diversity we have at the gym. We got some real badass people. And, you know, I love the guy that's a bad... We got a badass dermatologist. We got a badass dentist. We got... These guys inspire me, man. These guys are older, you know, fucking close to 60 years old, out there rolling, ripped, in shape, grinding every day, there every morning before they go to open their dental office or, or, or their business, working their ass off, you know, love the intensity, huge fans of the sport, and then huge supporters of the gym and the guys. I mean, you know, uh, man, a lot of MMA fans are toxic, man. You know, I mean, there's the, the, the sick shit about going on people's pages and messaging them. I fucking hate you. You lost me money. Like what kind of fucked up person are you <laughs> to be doing shit like that? Like what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? So we're not, we're not fighting for anybody else. I mean, we're fighting for our, our school. We're fighting for our family. We're fighting for our friends. And those people are big supporters, man. And you know, when the guys win, they really feel like they win too. And they're a big part of it. And, and I love it. I love all my students. I, uh, if, if a fighter got out of line with any of my students, I would throw his ass out of the gym because the community is more important than anything. And our team really cherishes that and loves that loves the members as well. We have a great, we have a great rapport. It's similar. I always say atmosphere is, is more important than anything we're teaching here. Like, you know what I mean? We can have the best jujitsu on Long Island or I listen, I can go into the, uh, the best, this place has the best slice. I go in there and the guy's a douche behind the counter. I'm not fucking giving that guy my money. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying I'll go to Domino's, but I'll find another place. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not going to the Olive one, but I'll find a place with similar. But I don't know. It's it's a beautiful thing when you, uh, because like you said, there's, if there's a bad egg, you could just weed them right out and you don't got to check out. anybody. It's get my out. way of the Long Island Expressway. Yeah, get out. I want to touch on something that you said earlier about how all you do is care about winning and how 
you guys have won more than other teams, but I feel as though you don't necessarily like everybody knows Safe Saoud as the coach, but not necessarily for this, and they don't like, like equate the two. And but I want to feel I want to ask you, what do you think it's going to take for your team to get the recognition of having that winning environment and being the undisputed best team in the world? I mean, I think you got to have champs, you know, and, and, and that's a slippery slope, right? You know, when you look at team wins, I mean, I don't know if any team has won more than our team in the last five years. And, you know, we could look it up. It's all good. You know, I'm, I'm always down. I mean, I know our record in 2019, 19 wins, uh, 17 wins. You know, I know our percentages, uh, but we don't have any chance. And, you know, people say like, it don't mean shit if you don't win a championship. And that's true. You know, you gotta, you gotta respect that. And, uh, but the other thing is, Hey, do you have one good fighter? Do you have one fighter that fucking wins and the rest of your team loses? Or did you rent a guy and he came over to you and he was two fights from the belt? Like that shit ain't the same. And look, everybody does it a different way. Everybody has a different sauce, but I got my sauce and I'm going to do it my way. And we built it from zero fighters, 15 fighters to the contender, zero fighters. When we opened the gym to 21 fighters in the UFC and building them all our own way. So you know, it, it's, uh, I feel like I get a lot of love and recognition, but yeah, I mean, I feel like my guys could probably get more and I think that they deserve more. Uh, I think that the team is, is fantastic. And we have six fighters ranked in the top 15. I don't know how many teams have six fighters ranked in the top 15, but it can't be very many. That's funny. You say rent fighters. And then, to, I mean, that's a beautiful saying. And, and I'm, <laughs> I can appreciate that, um, that insight and that outlook that you have towards your team because that says a lot about you and your team that you, it's more like a family and you're growing these guys and you're developing and you appreciate them so like that's a beautiful thing you know biggest compliment i ever got dean thomas 2014 13 brazil locker room damon jackson fought lost to honey jason and you told me you know man we didn't know each other very well you go you know man uh, it's awesome what you're doing you're doing it yourself and you're building these guys from zero you said that's fucking hard to do man you were still at att and yeah. i remember you pulled me aside and gave me that love i still remember that my man. Oh, do you? And, and and that's the truth you know building a team from nothing like i'm the fucking boss i'm the owner i don't got to go kiss up to anybody nobody owns the gym right nobody pays my salary so the passion and and the realness is there because we're really in this shit together like i don't have an ulterior motive i just want to see these kids win and be great you know this that this is this is a question actually for both of you now this is something you guys both have in common dean thomas just like safe said you came from you were a coach part of that big att super team you know you were one of the head coaches there for years before you ventured out to your on your own same thing with safe i'm reading and i know because we had you on before and i know you but uh, the show UFC Connected just did a profile in the beginning of your coaching. And then yeah. they were saying how before coaching, you were a fighter and you were trained out of the uh, Jackson Wink in New Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then now, unless I just brought that up right now, nobody, you made a name for yourself now. What made both you guys say, all right, I could be doing what I love coaching, making a living, being part of this super team. Or what, took, what made you have the balls to say, I'm going to go out on my own and put Fortis MMA on the map, Dean's fucking garage on the map. I don't know, Dean. I don't know. <laughs> but what made you guys? Whoever wants to go first, go you ahead. You go first, Eight. I mean, I mean, I really think it's just about having your own vision, right? You know, like you have your own vision on, on how you think things should be. And, you know, everybody always thinks they're the smartest guy in the room. And most of the time, they don't get a chance to test that shit. 
But when you go out on your own, what? You get to see, are your theories the right theories? Can you produce? Can you win? And I think there's something very, very satisfying about that. And there's a gratification there that, you know, we all know because we've all been on our own. It's just different, you know? And I think as you get in your 30s, you're kind of naturally looking for that. And I think in your 40s, if you haven't gotten to that, you're not happy. And I don't care what anybody says, but when someone else is signing your paychecks and you're waiting for somebody else to, you know, call the ball on you, like that's not a good feeling as you get in your 40s. So I felt like in my 30s, uh, I made the move when I was 35 and I felt like I had a lot of experience and it was the right time. I felt like any earlier than that, I wouldn't have been ready. I was still too young. So I, I just felt like it was kind of a natural progression. I really do. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, once you start getting older, you just need your own thing. You know, it's like it's like living with people, you know, like after you get at a certain age, like you can't room with somebody in a hotel. No. You can't live with people like you got to have your own little space. And that was for me, too. I needed my own thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's not, you know, I love my time at Jackson's and I love ATT guys. I mean, Mike Brown, I think, is, is a fucking great coach. Conan. It's not about, you know, what other people do. It's just about what worked for me and what I liked. And uh, and I'm really grateful that I took that step, you know. There's something nice also about just, you know, we said it right here, being your own boss where don't get me wrong. I hope I do fucking a million Dana White looking for a fight. We have a- <laughs> That's different. Though. This, That's different. Gig, this gig right here, I fucking That's love different. it. But if these both went away tomorrow, they went away tomorrow. You got the gym. You got the gym. And I'll tell you right now. I taught the morning class at 7 a.m. I don't want a cookie for doing it. I'm going back later on. I got yep. my kid in the kids' class. I'm teaching that. I, it's just, it's just. That's like, real, though. When that's you retire. Real, but that's why, that's why your gym will always do well because the owner has to be there. You know, I teach a 6 a.m. class. Uh, I just started handing it over to one of my other kids, but I, I'm teaching it this week again. And like, you're never too cool for your own place. You know, this is the other thing. Guys are sometimes like, yeah, it's my gym. I go there whenever I'm like, dude, a gym is like a plant. If it, it, that thing could be green as hell, right? You just water it. It looks great. You leave that thing for two days. You come back, things turning brown already. That's just how the gym business is. You've got to always be there cultivating it, taking care of it, watering that plant, you know, giving it love. And that's awesome. And that's the reason why you're also a UFC champion, which, you, you know, let's talk about that. And also... A black, a head of black belt. Also, all these other things that you've done, it all comes from that work ethic every single day, every single day, not letting people down, always being there. Anyone in that gym can call me at any time. Hey, I need your help. I'll be there. You know, it's like a part of my community. And, and uh, I'm, I don't care if it's someone who's just taking kickboxing class and fucking never fights a day in their life. Like they're exactly the same to me as Ryan Spann, you know, or Jeff Neal or a top 10 guy. It doesn't matter because it's martial arts. I could see safe being the next, like, like my, one of my uh, very, very good friends, a man named Ray Longo, guy's 64 years old. The guy said, I mean, I, sometimes I forget, like, I'm like, this guy's like one of my bad, very, very best friends. And the guy's 64, dude, it's, nothing's changed with the guy. The guy is doing the same exact, and that's in a good way. Like he's, he's off, I'm like, he's ah, I'm going to Florida with Nas. I'm going to, he's fucking, I'm like, what'd you do today? You know, me and Stephen Lee, we went on a bike ride. Like, Dude, the guy's not stopped moving. And he's still as passionate. That last, I tell you, the last time when Aljo gave me, I still oh, remember I saw, that. I saw, I saw. He's another one. <laughs> well, I, yeah, he's a man. He tells the truth. Ray Longo tells the truth. God bless him. That's all he does. All, I, all we do is tell the truth, you know? 
people always tell me, man, you're fucking great in the corner. I mean, I love, and I always tell them, thanks, man. But I'm just telling the truth. Like, I mean, I don't know how to lie or sugarcoat it or tell somebody something that's not going on. You just can't do that out there because the window is so short. There's so much work behind that, that, you know, that 15 or minutes or that 25 minutes that like, you got to deliver that message. And, and, you know, I mean, that just seems to work. And Ray Longo does that. You do that. Dean, you, I mean, we all, it's funny to me that that gets praised as amazing telling the truth. It's like, it's like you're, sp- you're supposed to do that. <laughs> you have to do that though, right guys? I mean, you have to do that. Or are you not going to win? There's sometimes I hear some corner work and I'm not shitting on anybody in particular, but when they're just like, you know, good job, good job. And it's like the last round. And I'm like, and it's a fight where it's like, yo, this guy's either down or it's, it's, I don't know who's winning. Why isn't there more urgency in this motherfucking corner? Why are we like, you know, there's certain things I'm just like, I don't even want to listen to this. It's bothering me. That's bothering me. That motivates me. I want to hit this guy with his stool. Does this guy understand that this dude yeah. needs to empty this tank in this fucking uh, round? Everybody's different. But for me, I hate losing so much <laughs> that I will do anything I can for that person to win. You know, I mean, let's talk about it. It ain't healthy to care this much. You fucking know it. Dean, you know it. I know. That's why, that's why coaches, man, a lot of them, they have to retire. They get burned out. They get sick. Football coaches see it all the time up. So-and-so had a heart attack. He's got, he's out, you know, Bruce Arians, he's done. Like it's, it's so much energy to care this much. And it's a 24 seven job. You care so much. You want success for your kid. You know how much the financial impact is on these kids and their families, how, how everything can shift off one fight. And I don't know when I see people not delivering the truth, I just, maybe that, I don't know. That's what I think. Maybe they just don't care as much, or maybe that's just not their style. I, I don't know. Well, shoot, safe. You're delivering the truth. You're delivering the goods. Like you just said, well, you just have five victories in like a fucking couple of weeks. Dude, you're doing phenomenal. The recipe you said that you have over there is it's unique to your own and, and it's and it's working for you, buddy. And, I, and, I, and I'm happy for you, dude, because you're a really good guy. Well, I appreciate it, man. I always, uh, they asked me to come on last week when you weren't there. And I said, no, no, no. I only come on. <laughs> See, that, that's what you call homie status. I said I gotta talk to Matt. I want to yeah, talk. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk. I want to talk to the welterweight champ. Bob Bob Kelly didn't deserve you, Bob Kelly. <laughs> Bob Kelly's. I don't a know Bob dude. Kelly. I don't know Bob Kelly. So I didn't. I didn't ask who it was. But when I found out it wasn't you, I told him I wanted to win. I appreciate that, man. And you are winning not only in the cage with your guys, but in life. People have a different. They have a, a weird sense of all right. I'm going to make this this money, and then I'm going to retire. And then what? What the fuck are you going to do? You're going to be on a beach every fucking day getting drunk. That's going to get old real quick. People, yeah. I, I think they have a weird like, a concept of what goes on at retirement. I think, though, Matt, and we do got to say this, and I think we forget this sometimes. We're so fucking lucky. Like, we just do, we do what we love. Like, we're talking about the gym, and it's like, I remember, and I mean, I guess we get credit for this, but I remember when I made the decision to go all in on this. I mean, I was a fucking kid, you know, and I remember thinking, well, I know I can do this because I don't get sick of it. It's the only thing that I don't get sick of, right? I can't go to work or go to an office or I, mean, I even went to law school. Uh, there was no way I was going to do that. So yeah. in the end of the day, I feel lucky that, you know, that this is what we do and, and we, we get to teach martial arts and, and, and mentor people and make them better. And, and, and we're fulfilled by that because how many lives have you changed at that gym? I mean, I watch those videos that you post on Instagram. I see all the, the people you promote and, 
you know, well, how much does that fucking purple belt mean to that guy? Oh man, I'll tell you, that's so funny you seen that. You know, I put that out yesterday, and a guy I came up with from the Bronx, and 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 again, man, the back then people don't realize what it was like training, like in the mid nineteen. You know, you're as old as me, you fuck. But we're it's like in the nineties, there was no place to learn this, and yeah. I don't know. I gave a purple belt to a guy that came up with me back then, and and you know, it's just it, see stuff like that. That's how. Like I, I like I was about to say, like Norm McDonald, he talks about, oh, my father always talked about retirement, retirement. He goes, then I remember he retired and he'd just be like wandering around the house and shit. Like fucking that. You know what I mean? You have to find something that you're passionate about. 100%. And next thing, I mean, I I am I am confident I'm gonna be doing what I'm doing now, 20 if I'm around, 20 years from now. God, God willing. God willing, my man. God willing. Yeah. I'm willing, following, I'm sure. following in the great. Uh, Ray Lago's footsteps. <laughs> yeah. The only difference between Ray and us is that Ray still got all his fucking hair. Well, yes! we lost our hair a long ass time ago. Yeah, Ray got a head full of hair. Ray got Ray got that nice hair, right? You still holding in there, Dean, a little I, bit. I still got a little bit but too. Ray's got that nice Italian fucking hair. You know what I'm saying? He can still dress up and, and look good. So shout out to Ray Longo. He he does got that that fucking big John Travolta thing look going for him with that he hair. Does. But I think John Travolta's bald now too, though, no? I don't know, but I know Ray Longo's not bald. Every time, I, every time I see, every time I see him, he tells me, he says, "Oh man, how you doing?" I said, "I'm not doing as well as you because you got all that nice hair on your head, Ray." I said, uh, <laughs> "That's he why smiled. he likes you so much." That is why. That's that's why. Safe man, listen. Anything you want to plug, buddy? No, come on. I'm too old to plug, Matt. Come in, break. Let me. Let You're me. Uh, hey, anybody, not just not just the next champ. Let me let me shout out. Let me shout. Let me shout school. out to my my team who's been grinding super hard and, and really, you know, Ryan Spann with a real impressive, great win. Uh, super happy for him. Alonzo had a great win. We got this girl, Sammy Hughes, on a win streak right now. Oh, that was oh, great. Oh, I she was, first of all, what a sweet girl. She was on love here a couple weeks ago. And that's when I was telling her, like, we got to get your coach on. And, uh, oh, dude, you fired me up in her corner. That was so great. And I, I like that, that girl because she was, that re- what you and her in that corner remind me something over. I, I'm glad you brought that up about Sam Hughes. That remind me of something like Teddy Atlas in the corner with one of his fighters. Cause she was getting pumped up. You were firing yeah. her up. Cause you did the deal in that fight. Cause now you brought me right back. You knew, we all knew that she was going to win. But the yeah. biggest thing safe is how is she going to win? Are you going to get a fucking decision? And all right, yeah. you busted this girl who's a tough girl. Or are you gonna put a fucking stamp on it? Yeah, she did. She put and a stamp she on it. Did. You, yeah, she did. But she did because you fired her up in that corner, man. She was, it's like you gave her a jolt. She was like, I'm gonna kill her. <laughs> yeah, she, she did. She did. She goes, I was like, you go get her, you go take her out. She was like, I'm gonna kill her. And I was like, all right, let's just leave on that. Right. But the thing about <laughs> the thing about Sam is, you know this. Phil Jackson said the smartest shit ever. He said, I, I stopped coaching the same group after seven years because they quit listening. And, and, you know, like you're telling your guys you have forever. Hey, get over here. Hey, do this. They give you that look like, all right, coach. Right. But when you get a girl who's coming off of three losses, who moves her whole life to come to your gym, who's like, you know, I really I just really need to do this. This is my last shot. And to watch her just line up everything the right way, buy into the program 100 percent. And then not only win one fight, but go turn around and finish this other girl three and a half, four weeks later, get on a two fight win streak in the UFC when she was on the verge of being cut. 
And I mean, she's just a joy. She's so grateful and thankful and, and it's a, it's a pleasure, man. I mean, I, I, I could not be happier about that girl, but I really couldn't. I'll tell you, man, it, it's stuff like that. It, it's, it's almost, it, it adds to the fight. It energizes. It energizes you. Yeah, it does. It, 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 it does, dude. And yeah. uh, that's something you can't teach her answer to you was I'm going to kill her. That's something you can't teach in a fight. She's a dog. She's and, a dog. Yeah. That was inspiring. What you said to her and everything, that's something you can't teach either, Safe. So listen, man, I, I know where you came from, but you're a guy, you're you're your own guy, you're your own coach, and you're making major waves with Fortis MMA. And uh, congr- congratulations, buddy. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure, guys. All right, Come my back man. on soon, man. Come back on soon. See you later, man. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Like I said, dude, I'm glad he brought up that Sam Hughes fight. I would have fucking, I would have kicked myself if I forgot that because that was so motivating. You, you know what the best part about that fight is? Was that when she said to DC about how he, when he called her a quitter, like she remembered that and she used that as motivation. And then the first thing that she said when she, after she won the fight was, you still think I'm a quitter? And that was something he said years ago. And she remembered that. Hey, man, I like, listen, you can't teach chemistry. You understand? No. Yeah, because you're not a fucking chemist. I don't know. Listen, Dean Thomas. <laughs> fuck are you talking about? Man, if you don't stop. <laughs> Stupid. Listen, all I know is, you know what I do love? What's that? Stofus pizza. It's so delicious. It's like my favorite frozen pizza, but that's not what I'm talking about. What okay. I do love is a really good jujitsu. Aaron Brain uh, Blanchfield. Aaron Blanchfield. Uh, J.J. Aldrich was fighting excellent. Yeah. She was fighting an excellent fight, almost perfect. She was taking away all the takedowns. She was measured with her strikes. Uh, even, uh, but this is what I'll say for Erin. She was determined. And she was not going to be denied. She was persistent. She wasn't getting discouraged between rounds. Uh, between the first and second round. So in that second round, what now look, it's like somebody who has one, he has one shot, it's the right hand. When you're a submission artist and uh you when you're dangerous in the art of jujitsu, you I mean listen, you got five limbs. When I say five limbs, you got your arms, you got your legs, and you have your neck. Consider that a fucking limb. So she had that elbow of guillotine. Yes, Dean Thomas, it is the same one I used on your old roommate, Paul Rodriguez, back in 2000. You didn't have to bring that up. 
Because I, that, that embarrasses me when you point out that, man, isn't that you, the elbow up guillotine you did back in 2000 to get you the, you, I know. But how about when your old roommate Kimura'd me and broke my elbow? I still ain't, my jab still ain't the same since that happened. Your jab's pretty good. I fucking uh, hate it's, it's, I mean, it's still got, you know, work though. Listen. No, but I tell you what, Aaron Blanchfield, she came out of nowhere. Like, this is a girl who, when she got picked up, like, was she fought uh, Miranda Maverick, who I was like, okay, that's kind of a step up. And then she fought J.J. Aldridge. I'm like, man, they're not giving her no breaks. And she beat both of them. The beautiful thing about that gilling, the, the elbow up guillotine is they, if they, they don't get the hand, they can't bring their arm over the shoulder to yeah. really torture. So I, that used to be my move. I used to, I used to be one of my favorite moves. I love it so much. And, uh, it really, you know, I, I, I thought that was just a beautiful thing. She's that girl's got a lot of fight in her. And I really, I love seeing high level jujitsu like that. You know, that guillotine was that guillotine was, she gets it on anybody that they're going out. Yeah. And I, like you said, if you don't address it soon enough, there's no way out. You can't find her. You don't know where to, you don't know where to defend. But, but I will tell you, I think John Anik said it the best way. I think it was John Anik. He goes, J.J. Aldridge was fighting good until she wasn't. She was fighting. She was <laughs> like, she was fighting. He said, I don't think he said it like a, like take a shot at her, but she was fighting a great fight until she wasn't. But <laughs> she was fighting almost perfect. But then she left her head in there too. I mean, and that's all you need. It's almost like the same thing with like a Brian Ortega, you know? But uh, you know, we could let's touch on a couple of fights because it's the right thing to do, you know. Um, Joe Selecki versus Alex Da Silva was a, a close fight, you know. Uh it was too close to uh bitch about it. I know Alex Da Silva, it came down to that last round, I felt. So I could see how people could say it was uh the uh, the Silva, but you gotta give a lot to, to respect to Selecki because he took some shots, he was very um uh, resilient. In other yeah. words, he could have, he could have took those and shied away, but he he did just enough standing to make that guy guess enough to add into the grappling. And I thought he did a great job, Joe Selecki. Oh, I tell you what, Joe Selecki, talking about jujitsu. I was um, at the the Fury Grappling Championships a few months ago, and he went up against Donald Cerrone in a jujitsu match and absolutely schooled him. I mean, it wasn't even close. Yeah, um, he, listen, he, he's a he's a very tough kid, man. I really, really like his jiu-jitsu. We should have him on soon, too. But um, the main card, like we, we talked about Alonzo Manifield. I was so, I thought that was phenomenal, you know? Mm -hmm. um, Karen Silva with uh, that Darce choke she got on uh, Poliana Botella. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was something else, no? Yeah, she caught her, caught her slipping. Uh, the, and fight, uh, fight of the night, I believe, was Lucas Almeida versus Michael Trezano. I'll tell you, that was something else. No, I mean, I mean, that was that was a hell of a fight. That was one of those dog fights. That, but that left hook was picture perfect. Like you couldn't have scripted it better than that, man. Like he slipped and came right back with the left hook. Bow, put him right out. It's true. It was beautiful. That left hook was fucking. That left hook. If I, if you ever want to say anybody, like you ever see what a left hook could do. Yeah, <laughs> I would show like you know, yeah. like, oh, yeah, I know a good right hand or a good haymaker. Let me show you what a left hook could do. That left hook was like like a picture perfect left hook. It was, dude. That looked like it could it could take somebody's head clear off. So. It was like there's only like there's like three left hooks. That's that's one of three left yeah. hooks that were picture perfect. One is probably uh, Carlos Condit and Dan Hardy. Two is probably Charles Oliveira and 
uh, Mike Chandler. That's... And then three has got to be this one. Like you just a slip and a rip and he comes right back and just bow. I, I used to have such a horrible left hook. And I remember I was going to get ready for the uh, Frank Trigg fight. And I was going a lot right hand to like the belly button and then coming up with a left hook. I was doing a lot of that. Yeah. I ended up knocking him out with a right hand though. Oh. Yeah, Trigg! You, you had to throw that in there, didn't you? Could you leave Trigg alone? Could you stop it? But listen to me. He's a good ref. <laughs> listen, uh, old Osborne. Am old I saying Osborne? Right? Yeah. Took off, took out, um, took out Odyssey. And uh, that was something else, man. Fuck. Yeah. No, with those punches. Yeah, oh, they, he's, from, he's from my area down here in South Florida, originally. I mean, I'm like, yo, this is going to be a hell of a fight. And then a minute in, he caught him fucking beautifully, and he did not let him off the hook with those punches when he dropped him. Yeah. Ode's explosive, man. He's got the ability to to cap a guy early like that. Um, the couple we didn't talk about was the co-main and the main. Uh, Dan Ige had a hard time, man. They got. I'll tell you what a wrestler. Where did this guy come from? Uh, pronounce his name for me. Mozar Evloev. Evloev. I'm okay. Listen, his fucking his wrestling. But his, it looked phenomenal. His wrestling looked phenomenal. Well, it is striking too. But the way he blended. yeah, but you know what it was, man. It wasn't like he was obviously the better wrestler, and I think I think Ige was prepared for that because there were moments where he was able to stop it and and deal with it. He he stopped about fifty percent of the shots, but it was those flying knees, man, that, that really took Dan Ige out of his game, man. Like I think that, like that first one, he got caught with a flying knee, and he wasn't the same for the rest of that fight. He was a step behind. There's so many times, Dean Thomas, when when I say like I'm lucky in my career, I'm lucky to be where I'm at. And I'm sure you're familiar with this too with yourself. Like, I don't look at like the times where I'm like, oh man, I would have won that Tony Carter fight if it wasn't less than 15 seconds that I ran in. I don't look at it like that. I look at all the times when I'm like, dude, what if Eve Edwards would have followed me up after that uppercut. What if that second Shoney Carter fight, that, that, that back fist would have ended me? What if that Pete Spratt flying knee was just a half an inch to the right? I am fucking lucky to be where I'm at. You know what I mean? Because we both of us can have a different career. Like, do you look at it like, I don't want to bring up any of your losses, but like, like anything like maybe your, your debut with BJ Penn or something where you're like, you know, or do you look at it like, fuck, man, I beat the shit out of Fabian or fucking Eha and, and, and this and that. Like, you were, what do you, how do you look at it? Do you ever look at it like when you look back on your career or if you ever do? No, I, I look back at some of the losses and wish that I did some things different and wish that I fought a little harder and wish because, you know, in the moment you think it's like the end of the world or like you don't, re- you don't realize that you can always fight a little harder sometimes. And you could, or you could have did something a little bit better. And you'd be like, damn, man, I wish I had did this a little bit better. Or I wish I didn't get nervous before this fight. Or I wish, you know what I'm saying? Like, because you don't realize that when it's over, like none of the, the stuff that was distracting you, none of that stuff mattered. The only thing that matters is what happened. No, it's true. It's true. And, uh, you know, that's what's part that gets you better as both a fighter and a coach. Because I'm like, yeah. oh, I could have fucking did a little bit more on the bottom in this fight or fucking I definitely could have had more in the tank. What am I, why am I, why am I waiting on him? You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. And that, that, that carries through to you. you know. I remember Henzo said it best when he goes, I'm the test pilot. 
I'm out here learning. I, you guys learn from my mistakes. Yeah, for sure. I get my ass kicked. That way you don't get your ass kicked. Like, Henzo was always good like that. And, I, and he was on the forefront, Henzo Gracie, where, and, and he was even extra for him because he had that whole, his family wasn't losing thing. You know what I mean? For like yeah. a, forever. So it's like, but he didn't give a fuck. So I, I always admired that from him. And it reminded me, oh, shoot, speaking of old Henzo Gracie fights, it was really nice to see Oleg Tatarov in the corner the other night. Oh, yeah. I read it, but I didn't see him, but I read that he was there cornering. Um, I believe he was in uh, Alexander's uh, corner. Uh, he was definitely in someone else's corner also. It was like, it yeah, was one, it was, it was one of the earlier fights. But for people that don't know, and they should definitely throw his name into Fight Pass, Oleg Tatarov was a, a Sambo expert, Russian fighter. He was also an actor. He was in Predators and stuff. He was in some stuff. But uh, he was uh, he was in a couple movies. But he 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 was a, he was a really good fighter. A he was. really good fighter. He was he was he used to do rolling leg locks in MMA. I never got Dave Benito in like a rolling leg, like this tough Canadian guy in like a rolling knee bar. He he beat Tank Abbott in like a. 20, 30 minute fight back in the day. He has fights with uh, Ken Shamrock and he was just a tough Russian guy who we used to just, he, he's the first guy to really go in and start doing leg locks. Well, not the first guy. You had Ken Shamrock doing heel hooks on Pat, not Pat, Pat Smith. Pat Smith. And so it's like, but it was the first real Sambo expert yeah. in there. And I really loved his technique back in the day because he was a and, and the strong guy and uh, durable, and he had really good submissions. And I was, I remember specifically being so nervous because he fought Henzo Gracie uh, in a, I remember. event. And I remember being so nervous for Henzo. Like, Henzo, man, he's bigger. He's a really good grappler. He just fought Ken Shamrock and Tank Abbott for the who are way bigger than you for how 30 minutes they couldn't put him away. And Henzo was a lot smaller than him. And I'm like, man, how? I'm like, man, I go, Henzo, like, well, I remember going to Henzo. This is funny. This thing, this, this sticks out in my head. So I was a kid. And I remember being like, Henzo, what do you know? What is your like plan? Like, what are you gonna? He goes, Don't worry, Matt. He goes, Hey, I'm gonna, here's the plan. I'm gonna go forward. I'm gonna see what happens. <laughs> I go, fuck yeah, Henzo. Some plan. Fuck, man. I go, Henzo. I don't remember being so nervous. Then he ended up uh kicking up kicking him. Did an up kick and knocked yep. him out. That was at the Mars event. What was that, like 1998? I remember watching that and I'm thinking, yeah. like, because I was such a fan of Henzo after that fight. I love Henzo. I purposely didn't say the date so people, uh, you know, they, most of the audience wasn't born when that fucking fight was going. But listen, <laughs> uh, props to Alexander Volkov. But I don't know, man. Uh, Rosenstrike, the way, it, first of all, it started off, it looked like it was going to be a fucking phenomenal fucking banger. And it yeah. started off great. Uh, Alexander Volkov hurt. Yarzino, uh, Rosenstrike up against the cage with a right. I think it was a right. He's not Southpaw, is it? No. He's it was a straight right, I believe. Straight right, yeah. Straight right. And then, but it's like the ref jumped in. But now it's weird because when he jumped in, Rosenstrike popped right up to his, he was getting up and he was like, fine. But is he fine because the ref jumped in? Because he was down and then the ref jumped in and he was like in the midst of getting finished. With yeah. the record, he was finished. So could it have went a second longer to see what would have happened? Yes. But you can't really, you can't really, you know, knock the ref because you, he, Rosenstrike was, he put himself in that position. Like yeah, for sure. Before. It's almost like, yeah, you could say you, rep, you know, you had your, you got, you were in trouble. Whether you would have survived it or not, we do not know. 
next time you just can't be in trouble like that. I mean, I don't know what to tell you because it was. Yeah, you can't really knock the ref for that because like you the one who who was in that position. And they got a job to do. And the job, the number one job for the, of the ref is the safety of the fighter. So, like, you can't really knock them for that. It's one thing, like, if he was, you know, swinging back and but or defending himself intelligently, but you know, he was hurt. Dean, let me tell you something. When I found, you know, when I found out you were on today's show, when five minutes before we started today, I got the I got the note. It was in my notes yesterday. But you know, sometimes I like to cram, and I and I read the notes when I'm logging in. So I seen that you're on today, dude. I'll tell you right now, we probably went over. This was a long ass show, and it was fun as f. We have a good uh, time. Uh, I, uh, I see uh, you got the memo for the black shirt. That's right, Money. but you got you got the V neck. I I normally wear the V neck, but today I went with the basic. Well, listen, there's nothing basic about you, Dean Thomas. Well, you know, we are living the dream, and uh, I like when you. I wish you were the third mic, man. I know, man, but you know, like I got so many jobs. The UFC oh, has hired me for so many different things. Excuse me, oh, you're so you're so busy. Oh. No, it's not that. But I will, I will say this, man. I love, I love UFC unfiltered. I love the fact that they always like my posts and stuff. You know what I'm saying? So I, I gotta give it props. Team Thomas, we're doing something right. What plug something? And please, for anybody that wants to know the history. Between me and you, you guess who wants to know the history between my, myself and you, Dean Thomas? Do you know who wants to know? Who? The fucking unfiltered army. That's un- who wants to know. Unfiltered army. <laughs> it's probably all Check of out, Yeah. Probably all of my them. new podcast on Tell the them. UFC. Tell it's them. called Dean's Got Answers. Check that out. Where? Also, huh? Dean's Got Answers. Yeah, you got Dean's Got Answers. That's the name of your new podcast. That's the, that's the name of my new podcast. I also got my other podcast on Fight Pass. That you could check out. It's called The Lover and the Fighter with Dean Thomas and Josh Cohen. So make sure y'all check oh. that out. Oh wow, dude. So uh when did this Josh Cohen when, when was he fighting? He never fought. Oh, so he oh you oh he's the lover. He's the lover. I'm the fighter. Oh, so you're the fighter and he's the lover. Is he like a real suave guy? No. He was he, he was like known as Bob? he's more known as Pink Suit Guy uh last year when he when he called out Conor McGregor. Um and they caught him the pink suit guy. Remember, he was the one who said that Conor McGregor only won one fight since Barack Obama was president. Oh, he said that? That's your, oh, is he like a wise guy, like a funny guy? He's kind of a wise guy. Uh, would I like him? No. I wouldn't like him? Probably not. I like, no, you probably would like him. I, I like the schmo. Yeah, you would probably like him. He's, I, he's, a, he's like, a good dude. I like me, Meatball McCann. Oh, Meatball McCann. No one dislikes Meatball McCann, though. Meatball McCann is the best. We had, hey, listen. We had a good time that night. That food was I know, good. man. Listen, and I, and I can't thank you enough, man, and thank your boys enough for the hospitality that you guys showed us in New York. Like, I was almost embarrassed to accept it. I mean, it was such great hospitality. That Abe, that Abe knows how to fucking wine and dine, no? He knows how to wine and dine, man. Like I, I, like, I don't even know how to repay him. That's my Jedi. That's my black belt. They look out for me, and I look out for you, and you look out for me. Team Thomas. I what is there anything else you want to plug? You just plug five things. No, that's it. That's all I want to plug. Check those out, man. And and listen. And anytime y'all want me to come back on the show, shit. I just said call me. I told Antonio and that man, just call me. I, I always got love, man. I come on the show and say what's up. Dude, I, I mean listen, I wanna I, I wanna thank you for for coming on. I wanna thank my buddy guy who 
he got me the new espresso machine that I fucking love. I got to just give him a shout out. And he listens to the show. And I'll tell you right now, delicious. By the way, and I'm going to save this for the next podcast. I've been watching this. this my little espresso cup makes me feel. think about it. I've been watching that new Obi-Wan series. Have mm-hmm. you watched that at all? I haven't watched it. Well, let me tell you something. Not liking it. No. I'll watch it. But they made, they made, come, I mean, listen, guys, come on, man. Could you come on? Could you really just come on? Why are you making Obi-Wan a fucking pussy? Really? Why is Obi- well, I'm fuck. 10 years, it's 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. And fucking, he's out. He's supposed to be watching Luke on the fucking planet Tatooine from a distance. See, and listen, 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 listen. So he's supposed to be there training and just getting better, being a more powerful. What the fuck else you got to do? Tatooine, what are you gonna go jerk off a Jawa? No, you're gonna fucking train, motherfucker. And he's not, he's not training. He's not training, he's working in like a fucking meat factory or some shit. What? And he's and he's like, Oh, I'm just gonna be working like a I'm not Obi-Wan no more. I'm Ben. And then we need to call Saif Saud. Obi-Wan Kenobi needs to get pepped. Get hold on, hold on. Obi-Wan Kenobi, he needs a fucking pep talk he needs a pep talk from safe saeed that's what he needs because he lost his fucking balls when he went to tatooine he brought his lightsaber and i think he, he hit it somewhere he left his balls on whatever ship he came in on i don't know what planet he left them on maybe mustafa or some shit like that but he didn't bring his balls with him in the desert because he's ballless he's getting saved by all these different people there's one like and he's a fucking idiot he's a fucking idiot He's in a, he's in a, they're looking for him in Lair because there's one episode when he's got a young uh, Princess Lair he's trying to save and, and he's, he's in there and they're looking for them and he's in a car and there's other, he's in the truck and they're, they got other stormtroopers in there with him and the stormtroopers are like, he's talking, they said their names and then two seconds later he's like, no, Leia. And like, like uh, really, you have that kind of brain fart and the stormtroopers go, oh, he called her Leia. Like, oh, fuck, can somebody put a lightsaber to my fucking head? and turn it on <laughs> why are they shitting all over he used to be a bad mother jumper i know he fought darth maul dude he he was a badass he lost his balls he doesn't have to fight he's getting saved from all these strange people there's one girl that's like uh she just saves him out of the blue he's and he's just like wow thank you just, dude and how about this not to be too many spoilers, he meets another Jedi that, that survived this thing, a young guy, and he's on Tatooine, and he's like, oh, man, what are we going to do? And he just leaves this guy for dead, and then that guy ends up being dead. You get to get killed him, and he's like, oh, man, does that not fire? Why doesn't that fire you up? He's like, oh, I could have helped that kid. All right, listen, we should have, literally, we should have ended the show five minutes ago. Let's cut, cut all this out. Editing, please chop this up a little bit, make it sound a little bit better. Make the ending sound a little smoother. Listen, stop. This could have been a perfect, we could have ended this a little bit ago and the people would have been like, what a nice show. They talk so much MMA and now that, look, they better leave this shit in and I know they're going to. Dean, I could talk all day. Wait till I get my own geek web uh, podcast. Oh my goodness. I'll make you watch those shows just like I made you uh, learn the song to uh, Post Malone Sunflower. I know the words. I, I used to, I forgot them now though. Uh, let's leave. Let's leave on this note. Ready? For 25 years, 
Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 